It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This Pine Tar for Breakfast episode is brought to you by Ying Ling. Elevate your taste, spread your wings. The greatest beer out there. Today, Matt Klentak, GM of your Philadelphia Phillies, joins me right here on Pine Tar for Breakfast. Talk a lot about the draft and the future as far as the youth of the Philadelphia Phillies franchise and what we could see this year in a shortened season. Right here on Pine Tar for Breakfast. In the air to left field, going back on it. It is gone! Kevin Franzen sends everybody home. Ball there, coming down. down. What up? And welcome to another episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast. I am your host, Kevin Franzen, at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. And we are lucky today to have the GM of your Philadelphia Phillies, Matt Clentak, to join us. Talk a lot about the draft. Uh, just, you know, maybe in some of the free agents that were signed, the youth, uh, Brian Barber, who is the the head of player scouting um, and, and personnel, for me, they did a phenomenal job. But I want to, you know, talk about Matt Clentak, um, the scouting, the analytics, how everything kind of played a part of this year's draft and the signing of those those free agents that were – out of college or out of high school. And for me, that is a huge part of where we go for the future. You have to hit, especially like a, a season like this year where it's going to be shortened, especially with a draft that's going to be shortened, which was to five rounds. I think it was imperative to make sure that you got not only talent and good talent, but maybe game changers. McAbel. He seems like a game changer. So let's bring him on right now. The Philadelphia Phillies GM, Matt Clintett. Matt, what's up? Hey, Kevin. How you doing, man? Well, uh, here in the uh, Jersey side, just outside of Philly, um, it's kind of warm, kind of humid today. Yeah. It's, we're <laughs> a couple days away from the official start of summer, so it makes sense. <laughs> oh, it's, it's crazy to think we are where we are right now and, and, and still no baseball, but it's like, it's there. It's right there. We're, we're, we're hoping for it. So last week, something big happened uh, for the Philadelphia Phillies franchise. All of Major League Baseball holding a draft. Uh, five rounds. Um, a couple, you could claim it's five rounds. It might be seven rounds with all the compensation picks in there. But uh, I thought a big day for, for our franchise moving forward, taking Mick Abel number one uh, at the 15th pick. Can you, is there any way to describe what this process was like this year, different than any other draft because of the lack of season and, you know, games, how different was the draft process for you running the show again this year? Well, you said it right. I mean, it's, it's unlike anything we've ever experienced before and, and candidly might be unlike anything we ever do again in the future. I, I, I hope. hope so. <laughs> I hope we get back to get back to normal by next year, but um, it was uh Look, I mean, I am 
really pleased with the way things played out. This was, as I think you probably know, we have a first year scouting director here mm-hmm. in Brian Barber, who we hired in the fall. Um, and, you know, suffice to say, this was not the way he thought his first spring as a scouting director was going to go. But I give him a, a ton of credit for the way that he uh, stayed organized, uh, communicated with our with our scouts all spring. We were, and I, this makes us no different than most industries, but we were on Zoom calls every day, um, d- dating back months now. And, um, you know, while it's true that we didn't have access to, to, to games to, to watch players this year, and certainly our scouts spent a lot less time on airplanes and in hotels than they, than they may have done in prior years, um, I really think the group came together really well um, to collaborate and you really had to sometimes piece together, um, your information on a player because, you know, one scout may not have seen him six different times. You know, somebody may have seen him last summer and someone may have seen a fall workout and someone may have been in touch with him over the winter and someone might've caught a scrimmage before the, you know, before the pandemic early this spring. Um, and somehow we need to piece that together into, a, you know, the to- painting the total picture of what a player is. And, um, and I thought Brian and, and Greg Shills and, and Brian Manitti and, and kind of the leadership uh, side of our scouting operation really did a terrific job of, of asking questions, giving guys the floor, um, giving everybody an opportunity to weigh in and, and trying to uh, you know come up with the, the most accurate draft board that we could. So um, again, I, to summarize, very different, uh, very unique, unlike anything we've seen before, but I think uh, you know when all is said and done, it was a, a job well done by, by a lot of people. I don't know Brian Barber that much if you know I, it just in passing a little bit, but you know obviously for me knowing Brian Manidi a long time and I know, how he kind of operates as far as he's he will listen to you know everyone everyone's opinion matters is that is that a huge you know in, in a leadership role for you and seeing that is that a, a big deal in, in watching how all this kind of transpired it, it has to be i mean and, and, and it's you know it's like that in the most in the best of times in the most normal of times too you, know, you always want to be collecting feedback and inputs and and ultimately, the decision maker, whether it's, you know, whoever it is, the general manager, the manager, the scouting director, whoever's making the particular call, it, eventually they're going to have to make the decision. But, you know, you want to make sure that you're collecting as many good opinions as you can from a variety of different sources. Right. You don't you mm-hmm. don't want to lean too much in one direction. You want to make sure you're collecting from from all sources and and make a well-informed, balanced decision. And, and but never more has that. Uh, never has that been more important than in a year like this where you know the information was incomplete we didn't get to 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 players didn't go out didn't get to go out and play all spring and we didn't get to 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 get those looks and so we had to we had to use everything we could so um it was good the other thing kevin was like it was you know in the with in the absence of games at all levels this spring this was a very um a fun thing to do it was you know it was uh, there are a lot of you know work-related endeavors that we that were that we've been going through all spring, but this was probably the most baseball-focused of them. Yeah. Uh, so in a lot of ways, it was really refreshing and energizing to get on these Zoom calls and and talk about players and talk about tools and talk about you know just what makes these players good. And um, it was it was kind of an energizing uh, process for us as well. 
Well, I'm never going to say you guys were vetting anybody, but like you, when when it's like you, the checks and balances with everything, and you have scouts out there. Uh, <laughs> there had to have been moments where you're going like, this guy is so impressive with all his reports and everything. Because yes, we have all the numbers, we could have all the data, all the stuff that can match up. But but with the short seasons or the little se- uh, if any season. How detailed did these scouts get with their, you know, the player evaluations? And and I, I'm sure just based on, uh, you know, taking a, a high schooler and Mick Abel, there were some very detailed <laughs> evaluations about him. And, and it's got to be like a tap on the back, you know, a pat on the pat on the back for the uh, for the scout that was involved. Yeah, I think, I mean, no question. I think the teams that had really gone out and kicked butt, you know at the underclassmen the last few years mm-hmm. and seeing the college freshmen and paid attention and put in reports, you know, we're, we're better equipped to, you know, to draft them now as college juniors this year. And same thing, the guys that have been on the, the high school circuit the last few years when, you know, the scouts that have been bearing down on them as underclassmen, you know, we're, we're in a better position. So, you know, I felt good about that. Um, the, the thing that I think you mentioned that's really interesting though, is about getting to know the players and, you know, in I don't I don't have the numbers um, to 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 I guess back this up, but I can tell you just kind of living through it, I think we spent more time, you know, and albeit on phone calls and Zoom calls, not in person meetings, but we spent more time getting to know players this year on a personal level yeah. than we probably ever have, and it, it that kind of leads me to a, another point, which is. I said earlier, I don't really want to go through a draft like this again if we can avoid it. I don't yeah. think anybody really does. But that doesn't mean there aren't things that took place this year um, that we that we can't use. Like I think there are I think there are definitely things we've learned this year about the 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 power of, of video, both watching you know, watching players perform on video um, and breaking that down in a certain way the power of you know, communication among our scouting group on these zoom calls, um, the ability to connect with players and, you know, to, to get to know them a little bit better, you know, over video. So a lot of these things are things we should work to incorporate. And we, we've spent a lot of time this week talking about that. Um, uh, it's been a little bit derailed the last couple of days because we've also been trying to sign, um, you know, these, the, the non-drafted players. So that's yeah. been our primary focus, but I, but we've, we consciously started talking about it this week because we don't want too much time to pass um, between, you know, we don't want so much time to pass that we forget, that we forget what we did and what worked and what we liked and what we didn't like. And my hope is that, you know, when we do get back to a more normal scouting season again, that there will be things about the pandemic scouting season that we do incorporate and and blend together to to hopefully create a you know a more efficient process for us. I, I know we'll get into a little bit of the Mick Abel stuff, but like you know, he talked about the 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 Major League Baseball portal and uploading videos and and, and things into that, and uh, you know can, being consistent with that because he didn't have a season. And when you bring up you know the thought of of technology and, and the use of video and, and and seeing how everything played out in his more of a uh, you know like up close and and you know you could break it down when it comes to all the 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 metrics and the the bio stuff like it for me that was impressive and him talking about things it was going like you just you basically got drafted he got drafted with a very good resume for a young player 
But when it came to this year, the micro, and and you're looking at it, you're going, damn, he did a lot on video that helped you guys. I mean, that, that's what it seemed like, at least, and you kind of answered it. Yeah, and 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 Mick is is a great example of that. I mean, you, I think I think you probably participated in his uh, well, introductory call there the other night. Never seen a high school Kevin, like that. And, yeah, I mean, he and he and you can just tell and talking to him, whether it was on that call or the the other calls we've had with him, just how prepared he is, how passionate, how disciplined, how confident, um, and he whatever resources he has at his disposal he's going to use pandemic or not um and because it's all about getting better and um and learning and growing and you know, we've had conversations with him about that that you know the tools that we use today are very likely not going to be all the same tools that he uses you know two three years from now or, or 10 years from now you know it's just that's part of you know evolving as a baseball player evolving as an organization and, and he you know, he is really wise beyond his years and um, he's got a very bright future as a as a player, both because of his you know talents, his physical talents, but also what he's got upstairs. Well, you, look, the last two years, first round picks, you've taken uh, Bryson Stott and then you take Alec Bohm. It's like, OK, the college hitters and, and, you know, they're obviously out there and you know that it's for me, I was going, ooh, it's going to be weird if, you know, teams take high school pitchers because they don't have a lot on that but then i was like i stepped back and i was going could this have benefited the high schoolers like all, all you know not, not benefiting but you know what i mean like the the amount of baseball that these kids are playing now uh with the showcases and everything it, it for a guy like mick he had a seat like he had a, a whole year basically off to refresh uh, do you find is there like a a, a year where maybe studies will come out about the the year of uh, you know COVID and, and the arms, the pitchers' arms, and it, the ref, you know hitting refresh for a lot of these guys. It, was that a part of it with any you know you know taking a guy? Um, well, I think there's going to be something to that for sure uh, for for pitchers, especially at all levels, not just you know high school pitchers, no. but that's going to be true of big league guys that have been churning out 200 inning seasons that just got a got an extra break that they're not used to. There's also, you know, this is going down a different road, but there's also the the challenge of getting players ready for a short burst season yeah. and get, you know, in a, in a much shorter spring training window. Uh, if that's in fact where, where things head here, you know, this summer. So there's a, there's a few different um, components to that, but I think, you know, broadly just, just talking about the decision to take a high school pitcher uh, which you're right has not been something in the first round is not something that we've done um, the last few years, at least since I've been here. Um, like we know the history and and the risks associated with with that demographic of player. Like we we know the history, and and frankly, that's part of the reason we've taken so many bats in the first round the last few years. Uh, we also going into this draft, um, and this is not specific to Mick Abel, but but just. We, we thought long and hard about how this draft might unfold differently than in, than, in, than in prior years. And obviously the fact that um, there were no games this spring or, or very few games, um, that was going to have an impact. And, and sort of the way we thought about it was there are going to be players in this draft who, you know, if you, if you had a crystal ball and you, you, could, you could know exactly what would have happened if they performed this year. They could have gone out, performed really well, 
and moved way up the draft board, you know, yeah. or you could have someone that struggled or got hurt or, you know, something else happened to him who fell by several rounds. And so inherently there was, there's going to be some additional uh, risks and rewards associated with a draft like this. And we were, we were really open to that, open to um, the, that risk reward concept in this draft. And, you know, on going into the first round, we don't know exactly who's going to fall to us at 15. It's a lot easier to predict, project that when you pick third or first or something than, yeah. than, uh, than when you pick 15. So you have to play the draft out and just see who's there. But our mentality was that we weren't going to shy away from, you know, a high upside um, player, even if, you know, it was a slightly riskier demographic historically. And, you know, that's how it played out. And, you know, look, if, if, if the spring had, had, had gone on without interruption, you know, could Mick Abel have been a top five pick in the country? I think he could have, you know, and could it have worked the other way? Sure. I mean, it's also possible it could have gone the other way, but, um, but we felt like in a, in a typical year, a guy like Mick Abel probably doesn't get to 15. Um, and we were, you know, really happy to, to select him where we did because um, we think he's got, you know, really tremendous upside. Well, I, just, I, I told you yesterday when I jumped on that call with Mick, uh, you know, just to see, I, I'd never been a part of anything like that in general. As a former player, you don't get on those things. I was like, I was blown away by the maturity and it's like look the kid just got drafted 15th overall and you're you know a, a guy asks you know when do you see yourself in the big leagues he's like it, if i'm 18 years old getting drafted in the first round i'll make millions of dollars right now be like, next year because i'm that good i mean i can understand <laughs> that right but this is like a, a kid that was able to like step back in the moment and just being like can i i just really want to enjoy today and i think especially with the pandemic going on hearing that how refreshing that was i'm like this kid i i'm i'm, I'm only drawing conclusions off of hearing him speak i'm going damn like that there's leadership qualities in that but there's something about that that draws attention like it just it, it draws you to him right this guy's cool calm collected he just has the biggest moment of his life and you're going huh, all right this guy's got more perspective than i do so uh that, that was the part for me that i i noticed with him yeah, I, I again we touched on it a little bit earlier. I, I we we feel the same way you do uh, about his um, maturity and, and confidence and and all those things. And and look, I, you know, it, it's a lot is just going to come down to his his right arm and and how he performs and how he stays healthy. And um, you know that is going to probably be what what matters most. But. Uh, you've been a lot around a lot of players, Kevin, a lot of, you know, pitchers that, and some guys have, you know, some, you know, an extra gear they can get and, you know, and some guys don't. And, and look, anytime you can, you can find someone with that level of maturity and um, competitiveness. And, um, you know, I think you're, you, 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 you gravitate towards those kind of guys. So I'm, I think I'm agreeing with everything you said, but. Well, I mean, you, um, you, the way you say it, it's like, you're you're looking at Aaron Nola. Like you look at Aaron Nola, the way he goes about everything. You're like, huh, you're uh, thank you, thank you for being you, because you're just the way you carry yourself, the way you work, the way you just absolutely take pride in being a, 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 the ace. But being you know taking pride in being a Philly, I think is is a huge deal. 
Yeah, doing it the right way with the right work habits, habits, and, and like Nola is a great example. He's not the loudest guy in the clubhouse, you know that. But his but, actions are. But but his actions are incredible, <laughs> and and the guys follow that, you yep. know. And and it's and you know doesn't there are all kinds of ways you know people can be leaders. It's not just through uh, you know talking, standing up in front of a room and and talking to people. There are a lot of ways to to lead and motivate and. Um, you know, Nola is, I think the, the best thing is like, is when it, when it comes naturally to someone and it's authentic. And I think with Nola, that's him, you know, that's, you're, he's doing what he does and what makes him great. And it, and it works and our, and the rest of the, the group appreciates that. Well, one of the things that you touched on earlier, um, I really think is important. And you were talking about how certain scouts digging into, you know, guys, freshmen, sophomore years, you know, before this, this season, or even a junior year when it comes to, you know, senior signs and all that. Uh, Casey Martin, your third round pick who many would say is a first round talent. He slips down to three, but slipping. Okay, great. He's a Philly. That's awesome. This is the guy that, you know, your, your scouts going out and doing the work on him his freshman year. He was a stud. I mean, yeah, it's 345 has 27 extra ba- base hits. Uh, he's fast. Um, a shortstop that could play pretty much anywhere. I'm sure like in the Scott Kingery mode. Uh, he look, I, I hate, I hate projections or like the comps because I feel like it takes away from everyone right on who they are. But when you look at them, you have to make a comp. And for me, it was Whit Merrifield. I was like, dude, this guy, cause I'm a big Whit Merrifield fan. The way he just is a, he's a baller. Like he just can absolutely play. At, at a top-notch level everywhere in the field and then at the plate he competes this guy reminds me of that i'm not saying for you to comp anyone i'm just saying like what was it about him for you guys afterwards that you're looking at going like we might have gotten a steal here well as much as a as hard as it is to compare a college shortstop to a high school righty i think the mentality we had in the first round carried over to the second round and mm-hmm. um you know, what would have happened if Casey Martin had played a full season this year? I don't know. You know, does he, is he, does he perform like he did as a freshman or even better than that and become a first rounder? Or, you know, he, I think you probably know he had a hamate bone surgery in the, in the, uh, this past fall, you know, would, you know, potentially that have still lingered and he, his performance would have suffered. And, you know, who knows where he goes in the draft. Like it, it was a similar dynamic in that there was, you know, there's some upside in this pick. There's some reason to believe that had we not had the the pandemic, this kid could have been, there's no chance he makes it to pick number 87, which is where we picked in the third round. Um, but, I, you know, I like kind of what you described, and again, not to put um, player comp on it so yeah. much, but when you have a middle of the field player with tools, and in his case, tools are you know, a really strong running grade, um, and also the ability to, to hit for power, you know, you can work with that. And whether whether that player becomes your everyday shortstop for a decade or slides over somewhere else on the dirt or utilizes his speed in the outfield or does some combination of all those things in, you know, and again, you said Kingery or uh, Merrifield or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I like th- there's a lot of different paths that a player with this tool set can can take and that is that is appealing you know i think Absolutely. and that's part that's part of the reason yeah. that you know players who are defensively limited to you know a single spot often are not quite as 
in demand in the draft as you know someone with more versatility, unless they possess an elite bat, uh, uh, which you know those guys elite bats tend to go high regardless. But yeah, um, one was left in the twelfth round in two thousand four, and I'm, I'm I'm still like I'm still pissed about that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so look, I, you know we were we're, we're we were really excited. Um, we we did not go into the draft expecting that Casey Martin would get to the third round to get to our third round pick. Um, and when he was there, we were uh, we were thrilled to take him. Was that like one of the easier like just uh, here's our paper. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was an easy it was an easy choice to make, but we had to sweat it out for a while. You know, you start you roll over you roll around from the second to the third round. You still have fifteen picks to go before you come up, and you just see his name staring at you on your board, and it sticks out, and you're oh god, come on, come on, come on, and every time you know we're on we're on the conference call, which we so we hear the pick. I don't know five or 10 seconds before the tell it before ESPN yeah. or MLB network posts it. So you're, you're listening for that. And each time you're like, Oh, come on, don't be, don't be him. And um, anyway, it, it, so it was a little, little nerve wracking for a few oh, minutes sure. leading up to it, but, but uh, no, it was an, it was an easy pick by the time we got more with Matt Clintock after these messages from Yingling. Tap into your inner Eagle and spread your wings with Yingling traditional lager. A bold amber color, near 200 years in the making, all-American brew. So plug in, rock out, and let the night take flight. Yingling traditional lager. Spread your wings. DJ Yingling and Son, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please drink responsibly. More with Matt Clintac right now on Pintar for Breakfast. At Kevin Franzen on Twitter. Here he is. More talking about the draft with the Phillies GM. Well, when when it comes to like drafting some guys, and it could be in recent years or whatever, but and you want the most talent, you know, it's not a base on need in the in Major League Baseball at the time. We all, I think, most people would understand that. Uh, you got to get you know the best player. How much does it play a part of it for you? Uh, when it comes to college programs, but not only that, successful. Like he had 48 wins, 46 wins, 11 wins, college World Series appearances. In taking that, it's not going to always happen, but there's success. There's something about him being a shortstop or a third baseman or a center fielder or whatever on a team that could, you know, that wins. Does that play a factor in anything? Um, I think the short answer to that is yes. Um, I mean, I, I go back and think about the first couple of years that I worked for the Phillies when our major league team wasn't, you know, wasn't especially competitive, but you know, we were going through the rebuild and our minor league teams, our affiliates as a group did very well. They won a lot of games and that is not going to drive necessarily, or it's not going to drive by itself, the future success of individual players. Talent is talent and you need to have good players. Mm-hmm. But I remember talking about that at the time it's, I would rather our players grow up in winning environments yeah. uh, than than in losing environments because I think you know eventually these the, the goal is these players are going to get to the big leagues and, and 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 join a winning environment there and you want to have guys that have have performed in you know playoff races and in playoff games and extended their seasons a little bit like it's a those are good those are good habits to get into good things to to learn plus winning is better than losing. Like, it's just, like, no, like you sure. want guys who want to win. Um, so 
I, yeah, I don't like. I think it, it could prove it could prove to be a separator, but I don't know that that's you know on, in the first wave of things you necessarily look for. There are plenty of good players uh, at the collegiate level or at the high school level that don't come from top programs, but they're talented and they're going to be good pros. And and you have to you know scout them all. So you know, I think in a perfect world you'd love for them to be part of winning programs, but you know, realistically, they're not all going to come from that. No doubt. Hey, uh, so you go. Uh, power forward. Actually, you go strong forward in the uh, first round. You have a, your point guard at five ten in the uh, in the in the third. I think you got your center uh, in, yeah. in Carson Ragsdale from uh, South Florida. He's six eight. We're a, we're right. a man short though. We only had four picks in yeah, the first right. five that's rounds, right. so we can't. We, we have a starting four, not a starting five. <laughs> Any seventeen year olds that you had in the system already? They're they're eighteen. They're 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 comp. They could be in there. So I mean, whatever you need to fill in there, we're good. I think we'll be all right then. I think we'll be able to field a pretty good club. Yeah, uh, he's a he's a guy that's interesting. And when you talk about like the portal and, and and being able to video and you know he misses all of 2019. He had Tommy John, but six eight. He didn't have great numbers the first two years, but then this year, like something started to click for him. Obviously, yep. six eight is a uh, it's hard you know for people that aren't always around the baseball game and in the player development. Being able to repeat your delivery at that is not an easy thing. Well, I and, think that's you know, this the... year it started to to kind of click. I, I I would say, uh, nineteen innings, thirty seven punch outs. I mean that that's pretty good. I mean, <laughs> no, he what he did this year in a small sample was was exceptional. I, I mean, and that's and that's exciting to us. Um, obviously, nineteen innings is not the largest sample. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to draw any huge conclusions from that, but you know, kind of for the reasons you mentioned that um, he number one. This kid's a really good athlete, and he, he's six eight. And, and sometimes the, the guys with the with the long levers do, like you mentioned this, but they do have a tough time repeating and get getting to the same release point and commanding the baseball. Um, and it comes, it sometimes that develops a little bit later. Sometimes it never develops at all, but sometimes it develops later for these guys that are, um, you know, really tall like that. Yeah. So the fact that he um, possesses the athleticism that he does, and the fact that he's shown. Here, you know, earlier this season, uh, you know, the ability to to command the baseball, I was really was really exciting, um, you know. And like you said, it's 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 a grind coming back from from a surgery like that. Yeah. So, um, but there may be yeah. another benefit for you, right? I mean, I, God, we're not trying. You and I are not trying to draw like just like oh well, this was such a great year for all this. But it's the fact that like you, for me, I'm a as you know, I'm a positive guy. I'm going to look for as many positives as I can. A guy coming off of a Tommy John surgery, you don't want him to have to, to go out there and, and throw a bunch of innings because a, a college program isn't you know taking care of him. But it seemed like they're taking care of him uh, it, this year early on, 19 innings, and you could build from there. But that, I mean, who knows? He has that full season. He's another guy that's not going to be there for you. I, Most likely. I think, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I, and I look, I think as – I think the his college program is you know took took very good care of him like you said brought him back the right way um, and yeah I mean it's it's just it sounds like a broken record now that you know our all three of our uh, top selections you know if they had played a full spring season you know we would have learned more and you know maybe they wouldn't have gotten to us and and that's true uh, you know or or may, again the, the the converse is true too so. Um, again, the, the size, the physicality, the 
the, the, the athleticism and the projection and just, you know, his ability to, to spin the baseball, um, you know, we thought that was a pretty good pick in the fourth round. So, um, you know, we'll see. It's, again, it's not – he's had some adversity in his career. It's not – that's but that's why he gets to the fourth round and, does, and it doesn't go in the top few rounds. Yeah, and and I and you say spin the baseball, and literally it's about the spin on his baseball, and you don't have those metrics in years past. You know, in the last couple, of years, you're you're getting more and more info, and this year it's more you know out there. And we could be a broken record on this, but technology played a huge part in so much of the draft. And was there were there things that like you guys see, and and you're going through all these prospects, and you see a guy like Hartson, and, and you're like, wow. Okay, and then you you match it up with the metrics that you're going. Okay, how can can we build more from that? Is he is he you know plateauing right there? Is there is there more projectable stuff? But like a guy at six eight, you're going, dude, we're in a whole new world. Like, because yeah. the moment it clicks for someone like that, like if it does come together, there is so much more in the tank. Yeah, and and I think so. One of the things that was unique about this draft too is that we were we've done this in the past, but we did it more this year. We were able to get a lot of opinions from people outside of our, of our amateur scouting department. So people in our, in our player development group and even, in, you know, even on our big league staff to, to, to watch video or, or look at the breakdown of the, of the data that we have on these guys and provide opinion. Just like we said at the, at the early part of this interview, you know, we're, we're trying to, to cast a wide net, you know, Keep bringing a lot of information to make well-informed decisions, and um, you know, you said it right. I mean, the, the, we're that stuff is really important, and it's really, it, it's it's kind of amazing how quickly it happens um, that the the players, you know, five years ago, players in the draft um, were not nearly as well versed in the technology as they are today. Yeah. Now players come come to us and ask do you guys have this do you have that what do you what kind of software do you use for this what how do you you know do you have this technology if i throw a bullpen and just how well informed the players are and how it's just become a part of their you know their everyday existence as yeah. a player um they, they, they certainly a lot of the top college programs have bought into it um you know, a lot of the individual instruction that these guys receive, you know, uh, you know, utilizes that data. Um, again, I just wasn't like that a few years ago. And, and for a lot of players um, during the shutdown this spring, they would post on, you know, on Twitter or on social in some other way, you know, video or data on themselves, just throwing in a, in, in an indoor gym and, I can tell you teams would use that teams would look at that. And, you know, then I'm not saying that becomes the, the number one data point for them in making their selections, but it would, you know, teams would get that and they would add that into their, um, you know, into their library of information on the player. And it's it's just, it's pretty remarkable how, how quickly the technology, you know, what used to be limited to just the big league club, you know, then trickled into the minor leagues, and now it's you know, and it was crazy. It's it's, like, it's, it like, it's all throughout college baseball. And, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, it's something. It happened really fast. That's awesome. And uh, you know, the, the last pick that you guys had was Baron Radcliffe out of Georgia Tech, another college hitter. And I mean, stupid pop. I mean, the guy's <laughs> ridiculous power. I mean, it's just uh, when 
there's your there's your power forward because he's 6'4", 228. I mean, he, he has the body that you're going, yeah, yeah, that, that's projectable. Yep. Um, yes, what is no it question. What is him uh, for, for you? Obviously, you know, Brian Barber's, you know, making these decisions as far as picks and, and you know, you're involved in the whole thing. But you look at him, you see all the library, you know, a video and everything on him. What was it about him that attracted you guys to him? You said it. It's the power. It's just the crazy bat speed, the incredible raw power. I mean, he hits balls that, you know, still haven't landed yet. It's, it's, it's wild. Now, he swings and misses a lot, you know, so that's why he's there in the fifth round. That's, not, that's why he didn't go first overall. Uh, so, so we know that. But the way we kind of thought of it is he's not that far away you know, from being a really good big league player, there are a lot of really good big leaguers who strike out, you know, they can't, you know, he'll, he'll need to improve in that area, but he may not need to improve quite as much as it seems for all to all of a sudden become a a really good big leaguer. um, As long as the power, uh, as long as he can maintain that power and boy, when you watch him swing, when you, you know, when you read the, the numbers, you know, the exit velos and, and everything about his swing, we have a lot of reason to believe that he'll continue to to, to hit for power. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of making contact. And if we can help him with that and he can continue to work hard and improve, then we think we got, then he, we got something. He can, he can be a really good big leaguer, um, you know, and we're going to, we're committed to, to helping him out however we can. We, you know, Jason Hochard, our minor league hitting coordinator is really excited about this one. I sent him, uh, I sent him a text right after. I was like, he looks like the guy that you, yeah, like he will do better with a wood bat because you get something, the strength of a guy using a 34 31. I mean, as an aluminum bat, you, that's a part of the reason why uh, there's a lot of swing and miss, I'm sure. Yeah, he might chase a few here and there, but the bat's so light. He's so strong. You get something that like kind of works and he goes, absolutely. That's like a, a thought about it. I was like, ah, like, that's the way I think of going, put something heavy in this guy's hand. Uh oh! Like, yeah. Sorry about it. It's 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 exciting to bet on tools, you yeah. know. And I think it, with really with all four of the guys we drafted this year, that's what we've done. Is you know we've 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 bet on not solely tools. <laughs> there's 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 makeup. There's yeah. athleticism. There's a lot of other things about these guys we like too. But all four of them really do uh, possess you know big league tools. And yeah. if and and not only that, exciting big league tools. So you know it, again, just, with just like any player that's drafted. There's going to be a long road of, of development and ups and downs and, and failures along the way. But, um, you know, I think uh, as a group, uh, we're excited about the, the tools. We're excited about the balance in the draft. Um, you know, you go college righty or excuse me, high school righty, follow up by college shortstop, college righty, um, you know, college outfield. It's it's you know, it's it's well balanced. And um, and I know our guys have really been getting after it the last few days on the post draft um, passed over players and we've, yeah. we've brought in a bunch of pitchers and, yeah. um, you know, that, gonna, that we like ask you about that. I was like eight yeah. of the guys that we know of that are, that are signed. I know there's probably gonna be more and more, but, uh, eight so far have been all pitchers. Was that a, um, design? Was that by design? Yeah. I mean, not, not that it would be eight and zero, you know, pitcher position player, but we definitely placed more of a focus on the, on the pitching than on the hitting uh, part of that just has to do with where we have roster spots, you know, yeah. in the, in the minor leagues. Uh, and you can always have opportunities for pitchers. Um, you know, and we're also just mindful that there's an entire group of minor league players in the Phillies organization that 
you know, have not had a chance to play this year and, and may not, you know, we're, we're hopeful that we'll be able to salvage some type of player development out of this summer and this fall, but we don't know that. So, you know, we just want to make sure that, you know, we don't sign so many players in this draft that we're releasing players from you know, whatever last year's draft or the year before that really haven't had a chance to, to perform yet. Um, so there's, there's a balance and we felt like taking a shot on, on some pitching, you know, whether it's a plus pitch or a projectable uh, frame and delivery for a young kid, whatever it is. Um, we felt like that was, that made more sense for us um, given the dynamics this year. Um, you know, we may, we may yet have another few um, that sign. We may not, we're not a hundred percent sure, but you know, the fact that it was more pitching heavy. Yes, that was, that was in fact by design. Hey, before I let you go, uh, and you know, you can answer this the best you can, but with uh, not knowing what's going on and, and happening as far as when it could start and whatnot, and you know, if minor leaguers, you know, how many minor leaguers and all this stuff, like, in all honesty, how many different contingency plans have you guys gone through <laughs> in every scenario? Does it change day yeah, day or is it a weekly thing? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, I, it's. I wouldn't say it's a new scenario every day, but it's usually not once a week either, probably something in between. Um, you know, we get information, um, you know, roughly as often as, you know, the, the public gets it. And we yeah. might have a little bit of a heads up, but like, but it's, it's similar frequency. Um, so you know how the, kind of what the, the, the twists and turns have been like the last few months. Um, yeah, it, it, it requires a lot of planning. Um, you know, there's obviously what it requires initially is, is going to be in a, you know, an agreement at the major league level between the, the, you know, the, the owners and the, and the major league players uh, to return to play. And I think, you know, if, and when we reach that point, I think we can start looking at some of the other things like, like what can we do about scouting? What can we do about player development later this year? And really, and this sounds so simple, but I, I really think it's worth saying because it's the most important thing. It all comes back to what is healthy and what is safe. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's, and, and, you know, there, there's a lot being written about economics and, and, and many other things. And I, and I get the importance of those things too, but really it's, we are in the midst of a pandemic and it's about, you know, making sure that we're doing everything we can to keep people healthy and safe. And that's, you know, easier said than done sometimes, but I think that's going to be really important. Well, Matt, I appreciate you, uh, coming on pine tar for breakfast i mean it is it's awesome being able to talk the draft and not you know anything that's really going on because i think it was a good 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 week for uh the phillies franchise and the only reason why is because it's projectable and obviously with projections you got to have guys that perform after that but i mean like it, it's 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 a good thing for the organization and uh i appreciate it yep no problem kevin happy to do it and thank you to matt clentak that was special for him to come on and talk a lot about the draft talk about the future as far as the the youth talent that we have in the philadelphia phillies organization this pine tar for breakfast podcast though was sponsored by yingling elevate your taste spread your wings it is seriously the best beer i had three during this whole conversation okay i'm kidding but i have a whole fridge <laughs> filled with them why um because your fridge should always be filled with yingling beer that's right at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. Till the next podcast. I appreciate you listening. Peace.
Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 